That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sober Guy Radio. Be sure to check out episode 86 last week with Aaron Walker. Just a phenomenal guy. Great dude. Awesome interview. Had a lot of good information in there on mastermind groups. Uh, We talked about faith a little bit, and we really just talked about how to be a good man and how to build relationships. So be sure to check that out. That's Aaron Walker, episode 86. Today's guest is Brian McAllister. From a low-bottom, unemployed alcoholic and addict to leading a workforce of 1,800 people, producing nearly half a billion dollars in annual sales is just a small part of Brian McAllister's journey. He's a husband, he's a father, he's an entrepreneur, he's also a best-selling author and coach. Brian subscribes to the spiritual axiom that with God, all things are possible. He also maintains an active role in the recovery community through his workshops and is a sought-after motivational speaker on the subject of addiction. These accomplishments are an example of the miracles that have taken place in Brian's life, miracles he believes can be taught, learned, and duplicated. Brian's a really great dude. You're going to pick that up. He's got that awesome New Jersey accent, just so authentic, so real. He was an outlaw biker for years and years, just lived a wild lifestyle, beer for breakfast, drugs for lunch, was in several motorcycle accidents, one in which he broke his back and they almost amputated his leg. And at some point, that pain just got too much for him, not only physically, but spiritually, mentally as well. And he surrendered and he gave his life up and he got some help and he, you know, he stopped fighting himself, which is what so many of us do. He, he finally surrendered. He stopped being his own worst enemy. And, uh, man, his story today, you know, like I had mentioned before, he's the CEO of full recovery wellness center. And, uh, he helps many people through recovery, through addiction treatment, And uh, just an all-around good dude. So we're going to get to his interview in just a moment. First, a word from our sponsor, Foundations Recovery Network. At Foundations Recovery Network, our mission is to create lifetime relationships for long-term recovery. In our history of doing good is the promise of your future getting better. So if you or someone you love needs help, please know we are here to help. And the sign on our door says, we care. We create an individualized treatment plan for the whole person, for the whole you, because to us, you matter. The first step to recovery is heroic. We know that. And with our heroes in recovery movement, we honor those who have taken that step toward recovery and stand up for you and stand beside you and stand together to break the stigma placed on addiction. Call our confidential and private line at 877-714-1318. We are here to help you. And help has a phone number, 877-714-1318. Make the call. We're listening. We're Foundations Recovery Network. Also, are you looking for a sober app? I Am Sober is a motivational companion app for tracking your sobriety. Along with tracking your sobriety, it helps you reach key milestones like seven days or one month and sends you daily motivations along the way. 
I get the daily motivation sent to my phone at 5 a.m. every morning. It's what I wake up to. And today's daily motivation was by far my favorite. It's real simple. It goes like this. Only dead fish go with the flow. So, man, be yourself. (laughs) You can also combine your stats with sober clubs and meet fellow sobriety seekers. You can find it on the App Store, Google Play, or you can visit IamSoberApp.com. Couple more things, and then we'll get to the interview with Brian McAllister. Go to thatsoberguy.com, become a member of the Sober Guy community, and download the free guide, Six Quick Tips to Quit Drinking. It's not a magic guide. It's not going to solve all your problems, but what it will do is it'll get you started if you're considering giving up drinking or you need some help in some aspect. You're like, where do I start? This guide is kind of what helped me get started. It's just a few quick, simple tips to get you going. And uh, you can download it for free at thatsoberguy.com. Also, check out the Facebook private group, Sober Guy, Sober Girl. You can join that group on the site, or you can also go onto Facebook, and you can search Sober Guy, Sober Girl, request to add. We'll get you added. It's a great way to hold accountability. There's some awesome people from all over the country, all over the world in that group, and uh, it's a great way to connect with people and hold yourself accountable and join the network that is recovery. You can donate to the show. All donations go back into this operation. And last but not least, let's read the iTunes review of the week. This one comes from No One 1200. It's titled Love the Show. It's been insanely helpful to hear my thoughts, fears spoken out loud by someone else. It's great to know I'm not alone. Man, yes, that's a great feeling to know that we're not alone. I do remember when I felt that feeling like, damn, I'm not the only weird one out there. In fact, I'm not even weird. This is just something that many, many people go through, and it's something that many, many people, unfortunately, don't know how to talk about, hence the purpose for this show. So thank you, No One 1200, for the kind review. Much love, peace, and respect. Now, let's get to the interview with Brian McAllister. Folks, thank you for joining us today. We're talking with Brian McAllister, author of Full Recovery, The Recovering Person's Guide to Unleashing Your Inner Power. Brian, how are you today, man? I'm doing great, Shane. Thanks for having me. Sure. It's great to have you on today. Um, excited. We just had a good little chat beforehand. And uh, man, we, we got to just basically talk about some recovery stuff, man. And that's the beauty of the community, the fellowship of recovery is, um, you know, we can we can open up, we can communicate, and we can talk openly about these things and look for similarities, not differences, and uh, really learn how to do that. So thanks for sharing some of your, some of your insight with me a few moments ago, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, great. So, uh, Brian, let's start here. We're going to dive right in. Tell us who Brian McAllister is. Well, Brian McAllister is recovering addict and alcoholic, first and foremost. As long <laughs> as I remember that, things usually go pretty well. I'm from an Irish Catholic uh, family on the East Coast, uh, working class family, started drinking about 12 years old, uh, instantly fell in love with it. I believe I was an addict and an alcoholic from before I had my first drink. But once I did that, I was off to the races. I got that sense of ease and comfort they talk about that you get from taking the first couple of drinks. And I chased that for many years. So how many years was your, how many years did you actively use from the time you started until the time you decided uh, to get some help? It was, it was a 20 year run, you know, and it was, uh, of course it was exciting. It was fun. It was, it was a party in the beginning, but believe me, the party was long over before I got sober. There was no partying left to be done. 
Do you, do you have that thought sometimes about um, you, you think back and you kind of have to acknowledge the fact that there was a lot of good times and a lot of fun. And at the same time, I guess it's kind of that battle like, damn, I did have a lot of good times, but ultimately, I mean, look where it en- look where I ended up, look where it led me. Um, do you ever think about those kinds of kinds of things still? Sure. It's funny. I, I, you know, my, my business partner and I used to get high in high school, which is kind of a funny thing because we, we met after 30 years when we were both sober. <laughs> but uh, and we, we you know, once in a while we, we get into the war story stuff and we laugh. But we always remind ourselves at the end, it always ended poorly. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. Of, we, I paid a high price for those moves. Yeah, that's funny, man. So let, let's get in. Let's get into um, let's get into a little bit in depth in this. Like, what was the average day like back in the day? Like, just say, say, like in the heart, in the heart of your uh, drug abuse, alcoholism. Um, what would a what would a normal day be like for you, man? Well, you know, I, by the time I was in my, my, uh, early twenties, I was living an outlaw biker lifestyle. I lived all over the country. I lived in a tent. I lived on my Harley. I, I, I bounced around. I did a lot of, uh, I would wake up. I was always a bacon and eggs in a can kind of guy. You know what I mean? As soon as I woke up, I'd be cracking a cold yeah. guy. And it made no difference if I, when I woke up, it was two in the morning or two in the afternoon. It made no difference. The first thing I did was, was open a can of suds. And then, you know, from there on, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict. That's all I did. I drank and I drugged every single day from the time I was probably, I was a daily user by the time I was 14, 15 years old. And that lasted right till I was in my, in my thirties. I was, you know, I was an insane kind of guy. I lived on the edge. I was always, I never figured I'd make 30 years old. So I just was going to do everything I felt like doing when I felt like doing it. And I lived up to that. I married a woman at 19 years old and I dragged her all over the country with me. We've lived on the West Coast, the East Coast and everywhere in between. And uh, and I just it was like they say, self-will run riot. That's exactly what my life was like. I did whatever I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And I felt totally justified in every decision I made, which is, you know, a level of insanity. But certainly some of my decisions were not the best. I mean, I, I, I've had situations where I've been hospitalized for months at a time due to, to motorcycle accidents. I almost lost my leg. I broke my back. I had a traumatic brain injury. All this. And the first thing I did when I got up on my feet again was throw my crutches out the window, hop down the stairs on my backside and, and go to the bar and then get some blow. I mean, that's just the way it was. I can't, I can't go back and change any of that. Everything I did then, made me what I am now. Even that hard living I did, you know, now I own a treatment facility. I write, uh, I've written a couple of books that were bestsellers on recovery. So even that hard living, I believe that was part of my journey, part of my plan. And I had to go through everything I went through to become what I am now. And I, I try not to look back and, and, and would have and should have. I just try to take the knowledge I have today and put it to the best possible use. And, and I have a lot of gratitude that God brought me through and took me out the other side. Man, I love that, man. I love, I love the honesty in that. And I love, um, that personal responsibility, you know, that's just a huge piece of recovery. And I think that answer that you just gave is just a, just a great example of that. So thanks, man. Um, let's, uh, let's, so let's, let's kind of get into this, Brian. When was that moment when you surrendered and when was that moment when you, you turned your will over and and said like, I I can't do this anymore. Like I need help. How did you do that? I had been, uh, it, it's amazing. I've been on a long, miserable slog. Like I said, I had 
you know, I totaled 17 cars. I totaled three Harleys. I bounced off everything you possibly can. And, you know, in the beginning I was making money and I was selling drugs and life was exciting and I was bouncing around. By the time I was in my early 30s, I was a bum. I was an unemployable uh, wreck of a man. My finances were non-existent. My, my, I w- my family life was deplorable. Uh, I was praying for the end or, or really I was hoping for the end because I didn't acknowledge God or anything else. And I, I just, I was at the bottom. I, I had come back from the, from the West Coast. I was living on the East Coast and, uh, I, had tr- I never really tried to get sober. It really wasn't in my vocabulary. I never even made an attempt. Alcoholism and drug addiction really weren't part of what I thought about. I just did it. And, um, you know, I, I, I tried once to get, to get sober. I, I wandered into uh, an AA meeting about six months before I, I, I actually did get sober. And I, I, made an attempt and somebody, a guy who's dead now because he relapsed and, and hung himself. But the man get, spent time with me and he, he told me about the program and, and he asked me if I thought I could not use for a day. And I, I said, I'd try and I didn't even make the day. So I went on the, on the bender to end all benders. Mm-hmm. I was on a six month crack dust and, and uh, Jack Daniels binge with everything else I could find, you know, to throw in there. Yeah. And, uh, and I woke up one day behind a body shop in this town called Nutley, New Jersey. Had no idea how I got there. Hadn't been home to see my wife or son in weeks. And uh, and I walked out. It was a sunny morning. It was August 2nd, 1990. And all of a sudden, uh, I had that moment of clarity. You know, I, I stood there and I remembered the time I totaled my bike where I almost had my leg amputated. And you know, like I said, I broke my back and all these horrific things that had happened to me. So everything started flashing in front of my eyes and it was almost like the world was spinning and I started crying and I asked God for help. I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't take it anymore. I saw everything happening and I saw that I wasn't going to die. I had lived through all these other things. I was going to live and it scared the heck out of me. And, uh, and I asked God for help. I picked up the phone uh, and that was the day I wound up in a treatment facility and uh, I can't, I like to say I surrendered that day, but I really didn't. I was angry. I hated being in treatment. I was ashamed. I was like, how the hell did a guy like me wind up here? Look at this, you know, like, and, and it took me a long time. But after 28 days of being there, I was lucky I got to 28 days. Um, I realized for the first time since I was a kid, I hadn't drank or drugged in, 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 in four weeks, you know, and, and that was amazed me. And I asked myself a better question. The question was this, how did this happen? How am I not drinking and drugging? And the answer was simple, by following the, the suggestions from people who knew how to accomplish what I was trying to accomplish. And that's what I did. So they suggested when I left, you know, f- find a 12-step meeting, do 90 meetings in 90 days, all these other things. So I said, okay, well, this seemed to work. And I did that. I, I went to a 12-step meeting, but I wasn't going to get a sponsor. They told me to do that. And I was like, well, I'm not going to tell them myself. I'm not going to tell anybody what's up with me. I'm going to do this by myself. And uh, I realized very quickly that I couldn't do it by myself. That's why it's a WE program. Yeah. And uh, that really started my journey back to sanity. I, I asked a man to sponsor me after a month or so who who seemed to have what I was looking for. And I took his suggestions and and, and uh, it's self-evident. I'm sober now for over 25 years. It works. Yeah, con- congratulations on that, man. That's that's huge after coming through, um, through some of the – crazy ass things that you've experienced, man. Um, one important thing that really stands out to me there, especially for the newcomer to somebody out there who might be listening, that's, that's just trying to, maybe they want sobriety. They want to get clean. 
Um, they just, they don't know where to start or that battle that goes on in our heads that tells us we're okay when really we're not. Um, one thing you pointed out was that you were angry. And I think that that's a, that's a very, um, evident part for a lot of us. We're mad. We're mad at other people. We're mad at the world. A lot of us are mad at God, you know, so we don't accept that into our lives. Um, how, and, and here's how this relates to this in, in the fact of calling and asking for help. How does your ego and how does pride play into that? Well, you know, that's, you know, there's a reason, reason pride leads the list of seven deadly sins because it gets more people in trouble than anything else, you know? And with me, it was false pride. You know, the, I, I had told myself this story about who I was and what I was and, you know, and it was just a story I told myself, you know, that I was a stand-up guy and that I was a biker and I was a man's man and all this nonsense. And, and the, the truth of the matter is, is, um, I was an alcoholic and I was a drug addict. You know, my, my morals were, were, were at the end of my run, my, my never yet's were almost non-existent. You know I mean? I, I had done just about everything that I said I would never do. And, and that was a humbling experience. You know, it was false pride is what I had false pride and ego. You know, I've, you know, I've heard ego be, be used as the acronym easing God out. I was, I eased God out and I attempted to take over the duties, you know, and I'm a lousy higher power, even for myself, you know? So what I had to do is I had to get real. And when I got there and I, I admitted, right, the word to admit means a quest for truth. If you look it up in the dictionary and I had to look at the truth and the truth of the matter was, is my life was one walking misery show. I wasn't happy. I made everybody else unhappy. I had no clue about how to live life on life's terms without um, a drink or a drug. And I really had to get to the point of becoming humble and saying, what can I do on my own? Really, I can't do much on my own. Yeah. I don't make the gas that's in my car. I didn't make the car. I don't make the f- clothes I'm wearing. I didn't grow the food I eat. What makes me think I can do this on my own? I really have to get down to the crux of the matter and say, I need people's help in just about everything I do every day of the week. I had this idea that I was like the Marlboro man riding off into the sunset. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It was nonsense. <laughs> I need people's help everything I do. So yeah. I, you know, I, I had to get to that point. And when I got to that point, when I accepted that, um, I have certain gifts and talents and I have certain abilities that the creator gave me to use for everybody else's good, and my own good. But the bottom line is there's not much I can do alone. You know, and my addiction was, was one of selfishness and isolation. And when I got past that and asked for help and became we part of the, we in the first step and, uh, you know, 12 step programs, my life started to turn almost immediately. You know, I'm confident you'd agree with me on this is that once we get to that point and we can finally show some humility and, and, and ask for help, the relief in that is, um, it's something, at least for myself, something that I haven't really experienced or hadn't experienced in my life up until that point of trying to control everything around me. Just, just like you're talking about, um, finally just letting that go is, is just such, it's such a huge relief. And the only reason I want to stress that is because I just want people to know that are listening that might be struggling with that is, um, you know, there, there's hope out there and you know, you, you can do it too. And, uh, so let's get into this now, Brian. I love, um, I love the fact that you brought up all of us have unique talents. All, All of us have things that we can offer, uh, this world and we can offer other people, our family, our friends, um, complete strangers as well. 
Um, you've written a couple of books. One of them that you graciously sent me, Full Recovery, The Recovery, the recovery Person's Guide to Unleashing Your Inner Power. I want to get into that in just a second. But first, I want to hear about what your life is like today, man. Like what, what his recovery brought you and what has it done for you in today? Well, you know, when, when, when I, that woman that, that I told you about that I, I was married to at 19, I, I was married for 13 years before I got sober and our relationship was done. You know, she was leaving. My son was 10 years old. I'm still married to that lady today. She's my best friend. She's the love of my life. She's a gift from God. We're married for 38 years, you know, we're, and, and, uh, what we share is, is beyond priceless. It's precious. You know, my son is the first person in my family to ever graduate college. You know, that, that, that's a big thing. You know, he's like my best friend. I love him to death. I was going to lose him because I chose drinking, drugging and, and partying, quote unquote, over, over, you know, the, the, the uh, the gift that he was, the gift from God. Today, you know, I I, I own a, a treatment facility. I've had several careers in recovery. You know, that's another thing is is I learned I learned about what makes me tick. I learned to ask myself the right questions. I learned to count on God's leading. And then when because I've developed uh, a relationship with a higher power of my understanding, when these ideas come to me, good ideas. I take action. I'm not afraid. I take fearless action and I don't look back. That's the biggest thing I've gotten out of recovery. You know, people, you know, people who have faith are people of courage, you know, and my idea, my idea of courage, you know, I was crazy. There's a difference between being crazy and having courage, you know, courage means that, you know, I, even if I'm afraid, I have enough faith in myself and in my higher power to keep moving forward. Crazy was just mean I was out of my mind on alcohol and drugs and I just didn't care. There's a difference between that. So now when I get a good idea, when I think that my higher power is talking to me, when I feel that and I, and I weigh it out and I bounce it off of people who I respect, then I take action and I move forward. So now I have a treatment facility. Um, I, the book that you just mentioned actually hit number one in substance abuse on Amazon. Wow, now I'm awesome. a guy, I'm a guy who barely get out of high school. You know, the idea is I could have looked back and said, well, I don't have the skills or I don't have the education or any other kind of fearful excuse that we hang on to. Most of us have had a good idea, but because I've been able to develop uh, a concept of a higher power, which loves me, which wants me to succeed, which has blessed me with gifts and values to be shared with the world, not to be hoarded or buried in the yard. When I get an idea, I take an action. And think about this. I've never met anybody who's got, you know, a more intense, single-minded focus than an alcoholic or an addict when they want what they want. You know, that that's actually a gift, you know, and I was misusing that gift. And most of us addicts and alcoholics have that gift. We're not stupid people. We're very creative people. I think about what I did to destroy myself, you know, the 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 the, the lies I told, the things I did, um, the creativity I used. So if I could take those natural skill sets, that intense single-minded focus, that ability to not stop when somebody tells me no, that defiance that we all share, and I can combine that with the moral and ethical lifestyle needed to stay sober, there's no stopping us. You know, and that's what I've been able to do. And that's what I write about, how to take those qualities that were given to me and how to point them in the right direction. So can you explain a little bit to the listeners how full recovery, how can that really help somebody, especially early on in their recovery, start on a path down that road and and continue on to greatness? 
Well, what, what really, it, it's a three-part process. The first part is exploration, and you get into, you know, questioning your values and your beliefs. Do they make sense for you at this time? Like at one time, being being a maniac was 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 a good a good life skill for me because I was dealing with dangerous people in dangerous situations. But if I'm trying to go into the business world, you know, being violent is probably not a good a good model to, to pursue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like you figure out what, what your values and your beliefs are and then you question them like, do they make sense for you at this time? Then you get into um, what makes you tick, what motivates you, what really like we don't – the book Full Recovery is loaded with not just stories of success and inspiration but it's also got exercises in it that help you figure out what do you want? What would you do if success was guaranteed? How would you how would you live your life if if you had unlimited time, freedom, and money? Because that gives you clues about where your interests lie. I'll give you an example. I had a guy that I took through the program. The guy was was brilliant. He had a, a master. I, I picked him up from the psych ward. He he had a master's degree in, in from the London School of Economics. He was a Wall Street guy. When we started sobering him up and getting him getting him you know to a point where he he was talking about how his life is and how he got to this position. He was, I asked him, how did, how did you decide to go into finance? Well, he hated finance. His parents pushed him into finance. Mm. They thought the only way to be a success is to be a financial guy. You know, well, we started talking, what do you like doing? When we got to the meat of the matter, you know, the, the guy liked being outside. He liked working with his hands. He became an environmentalist, oh, opened wow. a well drilling company over in North Africa, <laughs> you know, and, and, and he, he became wildly successful. Not that he wasn't smart enough to be on Wall Street. But that was his parents' dream. That wasn't his dream. So the idea is how do you get down to what God put into you, that seed of greatness, that one position, that one uh, business, that one life skill that, that, that you were created to fulfill? And then what we do is after we do that, we give people the skill set they needed, actually hardcore things they can do to go out there and turn them into reality. Because again, we've all had good ideas. We've all had good dreams. I talk to people all the day, all the time who tell me what they want to do, own or accomplish in life. But the lack of follow through and the lack of direction to turning those dreams into reality is, is, is what stops most people on their tracks. And what I do is I show them how to take those skill sets and turn them into reality. The, the title of the book is about unleashing your inner power and, and it's like everything else in recovery. There's a paradox to that because, you know, I've been around a long time and, and, and I hear people say like, well, I'm powerless over, you know, alcohol. I'm powerless over drugs and my life is unmanageable like the first step says. But you hear people who have never really worked the program say, well, I'm powerless over everything. And that's not true. I've read that book. I've read all, all the books many, many times. It's a paradox that by admitting my powerlessness, I gain the power of choice. I get, gain the freedom to make decisions for myself. And I, I gain the power to do other things like maybe help save somebody else's life by taking them through the program. So, you know, power is a funny thing. Power, the root, you know, is from the root word potent, right? For potential, uh -huh. which means powerful. And it means that God empowered all of us with a certain bunch of abilities and gifts not to be wasted. And that's really what I think the joy in recovery is, is not just getting sober, but going out and having a life. Yeah, that's great, man. And uh, I love that because I, I think maybe we do, we, we confuse powerlessness with weakness or with not being able to, I mean, we still have to live, right? We still have things that we have to do in life. So um, the strength in that, uh, I, it, that, that does, man, that makes a lot of sense. I've never really thought about it like that either.
Many of us who have issues with alcohol, with drugs, with anxiety, uh, we've came from broken homes. We've came from homes where there was alcoholism, where there was abuse, um, a lot of different, really uncomfortable and unpredictable environments. One of the issues I struggle with is my father. I love him very much. He's got a great heart. Um, He's just, he's very stuck in his alcoholism and only he can come to terms with that. A lot of us out there too have someone, a loved one. Um, Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a brother, a sister, a father, um, a mother. How do we deal with those situations um, of someone that we love when we're, number one, we're trying to help ourselves, but number two, you know, we, we still have that heart. We still have that hope, you know? And so you had shared with me that, you know, that you had, you had kind of dealt with this struggle and um, I don't want to give away what happened, but there is hope out there for that. And it's really up to us just to work on ourselves and to pray about it and, and to, uh, to understand that we can't fix everybody. We got to focus on ourselves, but there is, um, there's a chance for change, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Is that something you can talk about a little bit? Sure. Sure. You know, I, I, I'll share the story. You know, when I, when I got sober, um, I, I, I drank with my father. You know, I mean, I, I love my father. We were drinking buddies. We did a lot, you know, you know, I enjoyed his company. And then I got sober and, uh, you know, and he, he continued to drink and he can drink. He was at hitting the bottom of, of his run and it was a long bottom. He bounced along the bottom for a while. Didn't mean he, you know, he, he had retired. He had some finances behind him at the time, but he wasn't happy and his alcoholism had kicked into, into overdrive. And I had to really detach from him, you know, didn't mean I didn't love him, but I couldn't stand being around him, you know, and I was fighting to save my own life, to be quite frank, and I had to. Um, but I didn't detach to the point where where we didn't, we didn't talk or anything like that. I just had to jealously guard my own recovery and jealously guard my own sobriety, and that's what I did. Over time, though, you know, things, and it's a progressive terminal disease, we all know that, and, uh, and he finally had a couple of legal issues that hit him due to his, his, his drinking. And, uh, he called me up one day and he asked me, and like I told you, he said, you seem reasonably happy. What are you doing? And that's when I told him. So all along he was observing that my life was going in, in, in a positive direction my, my relationship with my family, my relationship with myself, my God, my work, my career, everything else I was doing was going well. And his, he was unhappy and, and doing things that, he knew it was wrong, but because again, I did things for years. I I wasn't proud of, but my alcoholism and drug addiction, you know, caused me to make misguided decisions. Sure. So he he eventually, uh, at sixty five years old, he got into a twelve step program, and uh, now he's eighty one years old. And uh, he's you know we talk every day. I love him. He's my dad. He his life has completely changed. He's in better physical condition than he was at sixty five. And, uh, and you know, again, you don't know the effect you're having on somebody. The idea that you or I might be the only person that's representing recovery to somebody today, you know, it doesn't really come into our, our thought process often, but it is. How do you want to, how do you want to represent what life and sobriety is all about? What, how do you want to represent yourself as somebody's clean and sober? We all know people who we don't want to emulate. You know, I, I do anyway. Like I see people who put down the drink or the drug, but they don't have what I personally want. So like everybody's a teacher, you know, some people teach me what to do. Some people teach me not what not to do. But for me, I had to detach with love. I had to let him find his own way, his own bottom. But when he was ready to reach out, I was glad I was there. 
and uh and i'm happy to say he's sober 16 years now yeah it's awesome man thank you for sharing that i i just um you know that when brian shared that with me earlier folks uh it really gave me hope for somebody that i love and and there's a couple people actually that i can that first come to mind that like many of us you know that we love that maybe are still out there caught in the struggle of it so um you know the fact that your dad you know got through it even in his 60s you know and now he's been sober for 16 years is amazing to me and it does truly show that there is hope so there's always that thread we can hold on to so thanks man um absolutely let's uh, i just got a couple couple more things for you man and and um First, let's talk about this petition you started at change.org, uh, Make Addiction Treatment a Priority in Healthcare. You have uh, 1,626 signatures to date as of right now. I'm looking at the website, um, and I know this was is relatively new, so that's, that's a really, really good amount for the short time that you've actually started this. Uh, talk a little bit about the petition, what it means to you, and uh, where you hope to take it. Well, you know, be, being right now, I, I have a, a, a treatment facility and, you know, I was lucky. Like I said, I, I got 28 days worth of treatment. And every day I see folks come in that uh, that are denied treatment who have health insurance. I'm not talking about people who don't have health insurance. I'm talking about uh, prejudice against people who have substance abuse issues, yeah. prejudice against people with mental health problems. There's a mental health parity law uh, and substance abuse act of 2008 said that if you have health insurance, you have to be given the same amount of coverage for uh, for uh, your your substance abuse, or your mental health, as you would for surgical or medical problem. You know, so I have a sister who um, who I used to get high with, who lived with me for a while. You know, and uh, and she never got any treatment, and she's dead now. She's been dead a long time, and she died of a heroin overdose. I was lucky; I got treatment, and I've gone on to have a, an incredible life and be a good good family man, a good businessman, you know, and, and hopefully help some other people along the way, change their life for the better. And that's what I see. I see people who come in because of greedy insurance companies, not getting approved for treatment or getting approved for two days or four days or not getting detox or all the nightmares that, that happen in the insurance world. While these insurance executives average over $50 million a year in bonuses by denying sick, sick Americans, healthcare coverage. It's got to end. So I started this petition. If I want to get a hundred thousand names on it. And the idea is once we get, we, it's part of the, we just like we get sober, you know, if we can get enough people together, I'm going to go to Washington and I'm going to stuff it up. Every Senator's nose. I am going to beat the president over the head with it. I am going to show it to every governor. I'm going to do everything we can to get this out there and let them know that, you know, just because I'm an addict and alcoholic, I'm not a throwaway person. I'm not a substandard person. I'm a sick person, and I deserve the same respect and health care as anybody else does. And I know that when you get an alcoholic or an addict like myself on a soapbox, and I'm going to go out there and make this make this my mission, yeah. believe me, I will get somebody's attention with it. Yeah. And I'm doing it for the right reasons. It's not about me. It's about the poor guy. I'm sober today, and God willing, I'll keep t- continuing doing what I'm doing, and I'll stay that way. But it's the people that I see come in, the heroin epidemic, the you know, the oxycotton nightmare that's going out there, is 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 just pushing more and more people to the bottom quicker and quicker. And unless we can get them help, it, you know, the future doesn't look too bright. 
And I'm going to go out and do everything I can. So anybody in your audience, I would really greatly appreciate if you would lend your name to this. And I will go out there and do my best to make sure that you, your loved ones, and every other person has an opportunity to get clean and sober. I've put a link on that soberguy.com. You can find the change.org petition there. What is, what's the actual uh, website address to where people can look? Um, it's, it's, uh, tell our, it's, I'll give you, you know what? Go to full recovery wellness center.com. Okay. And it, it will be on there. You can just click on it right there and it will take you to the link, uh, to sign it on, on, uh, on change.org. Perfect, man. Perfect. Um, and anybody who signs up for that, I'm going to give him a download of my book for free. That's how serious I am about this. Oh, nice, man. That's awesome. Man, De- man, folks, go sign up for this. It's for a great cause. It's strength in numbers. Like Brian said, I mean, it's we. This is a community thing. It's a fellowship. And uh, please go check it out and uh, sign sign the petition. Uh, Brian, in, uh, in leaving us today with something, a takeaway for this. Um, maybe there's someone out there struggling that's listening right now that's new to recovery, that wants to get clean, wants to get sober. Maybe there's someone out there who's been sober, clean for you know some time under their belt, but they're really having a tough time right now. Um, just in general, what advice can you give to that recovering or struggling al- alcoholic or addict uh, who, who wants some help? Number one is, is you're worth it. Don't quit before the miracle happens. That's what they told me. You know, show up today. Get 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 to a twelve step meeting. Pick up the phone. Contact your local mental health. Somebody will be able to help you today. But I can guarantee you this: I couldn't do it alone. Most people I've seen couldn't do it alone. So reach out your hands, and 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 and, and somebody will reach back to you. you. You'll get help. The idea with this is just do today. Most of us can stop for a day. That's all I've done for the last 25 years is I just haven't used today for a lot of todays. And, and it's that simple. And over time, you'll, you'll start feeling better. You'll start getting better. But the idea is you got to throw in the towel. You fought the good fight. You weren't created to live a life of misery, depravity, addiction, and suffering. You were created for a purpose. And when you find that purpose, you'll know peace. And that's what this is all about. You know what? Fear is what kept me out there for a long time. Would I like myself? Would I still like the same things? Would I still like the same music? Would I still like, um, you know, camping out or riding a bike or or anything else I did? And it's all a bunch of nonsense. It's the way that was my disease talking to me. So what I say is just call somebody today. Reach out your hand. Somebody will help you. Hey. Sign the petition and download my book. Maybe that will help you, give you some peace there, give you some ideas on how to move forward. But it's that simple. Just take an action right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, right now. Pick up the phone and take an action. That's how it starts, and you, you build on that. Brian, uh, if anyone wants to contact you, get more information about any of your books, about your treatment facility, uh, where could they find that at? They can go to fullrecoverywellnesscenter.com or you can go to brianmcallister.com. That's a, an author page that, that that's up for me. Or, uh, you know, you can okay, – heck, heck, I'll give my email out. It's bmcallister at full-recovery.com. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I'm in recovery. I'm a 12-step guy. Anything I can do to point anybody in the right direction, feel free to contact me. Brian, thanks so much, man. All right. Thank thank you, Shane. God bless you, pal. 
I hope you enjoyed today's show. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Sober Guy Radio to help keep you connected. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.